what a, what a song of true worship. What a song of reflection. What a song that, that really tells us that we are truly leaning on God and relying on Him in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trials, in the midst of whatever tribulation you're going through. Can you truly say that it is well? Um, this morning... As many of you have seen, I have something to share. And I'm glad that you made it to church for me to share it. My wife's pregnant. Just kidding. <laughs> she just looked at me like she was surprised. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you, I would be going home too. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I know. Could you guys imagine? Oh, help me, Lord. You know, I'll tell you this. Lord's been faithful to me, and He has He has spoke to me over the years. I think I'm getting dizzy now because of that. Wow. And uh, and so I don't know who moved my pulpit, but you know, I'm about a foot off here, so I've got to work myself back to, to feeling like I'm in the living room. Okay, I feel better. Up, oh, We need to go to the left just a little bit. Okay, and cue music. We're ready to go. Oh. What was that? Am I good? Oh, thank the Lord. I knew for some of you it was just driving you as, as crazy as it was me. Thank you, Annie, for covering for Caitlin. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget, we were living in Ravenna, Ohio, and we had one of those uh, three-foot poles in the back, and and we just had Victoria, and uh, wasn't it Victoria we just had back? And I looked out, and I was looking at her, and as I looked some more, was that? Was it, you already had Megan? I was with Lindsay. So anyhow, we were looking out, and I'm, I'm looking at her kind of awkwardly, and I went, this cannot be happening to us. We are two young adults with these children. And this has nothing to do with today's message, but I just thought I'd throw that story in there for you. But um, I looked out and I said, I think my wife's pregnant. I opened up the bathroom window, looked out, and I said, hey, babe. She's like, what? I said, I think you're pregnant. She said, if I'm pregnant, you're dead. <laughs> Thank the Lord I'm still here. She goes, Todd get to CVS. Why is it all of a sudden that my, my quiet, submissive wife all of a sudden became so assertive and aggressive and said, get to CVS right now and get that pregnancy test. And it is true. And uh, we sat on the, the tub and wept together as the Lord blessed us with our 18-year-old today. And uh, yeah, so, but you know what? We made it through it. And uh through it all, through it all. That's exactly right. My daughter, you know, it's so funny about even with the girls, they'll say to me, they'll, they're like, um, you know, Dad, we just don't have the nerve to come up and ask you for money. We just put Lindsay up to it. She's like, I got it handled. And what's the next phrase? Because I'm the baby of the family. And uh, But take your Bible, if you would, please, and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And I'm really, really excited about this text. But as you have your Bible in your hand, let's go ahead and just say our, our, our commitment today 
as, as we hold our Bibles high because we're proud to have the Word of God. And we're going to claim it here at this church and read with me, not after me, but with me as we say this together. This is my Bible, God's Holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Remember the commitment that you made. So I want you to know that as we move forward in this message, we've been talking about a year of breakthrough. What God is really doing in our lives. Say this with me. I am anointed. I am creative. I am talented. I am successful. I have the favor of God. People like me. I am a victor and not a victim. God loves me. I am a winner and I'm not a whiner. I am valuable to God because I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Praise God. See? I knew revival was taking place last week when we got to church. You know, every time I read this story, I stand amazed at the great grace of God. I see the Lord take this man, Saul, save him by grace, and transform him into the great apostle to the Gentiles. And I realize that there is hope for people like you and me to be used of the Lord. You see, the truth is, Saul was a very unlikely candidate for the service of of the Lord. Here was a man who was very, uh, who was feared and hated by Christians, and one who did everything in his power to destroy the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet God reached down in grace and took this man where he was and used him to change this world. God used him in such a great manner that Paul's ministry is still reaping fruit today. And just the fact that we are talking about his life and his impact that he had on the world as a testimony to the way God used him and is using him even right now. So when we look here at this passage at Paul, we may be tempted to think that he was some kind of gilded super saint. We may feel that there is no possible way that the Lord could use use us like he did Paul, that God could even use us at all. I suppose that we all feel somewhat inferior. Many of us feel unworthy and inadequate to be used of the Lord in his work. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus can and will use you if you will make yourself available. You hear me, church? God wants to use you. You have to make yourself available. Some of you may have asked the question, can God really use my life? I would like to answer that question today by taking a few minutes to look at the life of the great Apostle Paul by showing you the obstacles that seemed to be in the way of his service. Obstacles which God had no problem in overcoming by what? By his power and by his grace. The short answer to your question is, God can use your life. Now, from these verses and others dealing with Paul's life and ministry, this morning I just want to allow, allow me to show you why I say that God can. 
Now, today, only because of the narrative, I've decided to use my, my, I have two Bibles up here because there's two things I want to look at today. But I like the NLT and how the story reads out about Saul's conversion. And in chapter 9, it says this. Now, now think about this. Think about the past condition was no obstacle for him. And I don't want it to be your past to make it an obstacle for you. In chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And then I want you to follow me down to verse 10. And it says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Verse 11, the Lord said, go over to Straight Street, the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But the Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But you see, the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument and take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well to the people of Israel. And I will show how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I pray that Lord in your word today that there will be clarity, and we'll see that, Lord, you can really use us if we will let you use us. And so, Father, hide me behind the cross, and I just pray that your word will go forth, that it won't come back void, but that it will prosper. Lord, if someone is here today that needs you, Lord, may they come out and cry out and scream out how much they need you. So, God, we love you. Thank you for your word. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Point number one, your past condition is no obstacle. And here we are. Here is Saul, a sinner, a man who persecuted the church, a man who lived a life of hell, a man who was a sinner, a man who had favor with the priests. They, they didn't even like who Jesus was. And so there was Saul out there to condemn, to persecute to kill, to murder, to destroy anything that had to do with our Savior. And as I look at this text, I even think that Saul Paul gave his approval to murder, to the murder of Stephen since he guarded the clothes of those who stoned him who preached the gospel. Paul was a wicked man. But when Paul received Jesus into, a, into his heart, he was changed forever by the grace of God. So today, I want you to listen closely. And I want you to understand uh, what this text has to say. And I want you to listen under the sound 
of my voice and under the direction of God Almighty, that your past is no obstacle to your future in the Lord's work. That your past is no obstacle to your future in the Lord's work. You see, regardless of what you did before, you received Jesus as your Savior. It matters no longer. When he saved your soul, he washed your past away, your past away forever. It is just as though you got a brand new start at that precise moment. In fact, the Bible says in John 3, 3 and John 3, 7, Verily, verily, I say that except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are three records of your past deeds in the world today. First, there's a record you carry in your mind. Secondly, there's a record carried by all those who knew that what you were before. And third, there was a record carried by Satan. And he will throw your past up to you all the time. But may I remind you today, church, and may I remind you today, Christian, that even though I may remember my past, my friends and family may remember my past, and even though Satan surely remembers my past, God in heaven has forgotten my past, and it is no obstacle to him using me now or into the future. Hallelujah. But you say, Pastor, where do you get that? Let me just tell you. Psalms 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38.17 says, Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. Isaiah 43.25 says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 reads, Once again you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them in the depths of the ocean. First John 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. When we walk in the light, we can't have fellowship with darkness. You know, and I love what the Bible has to say because throughout all the Bible, God used people in spite of and after their greatest of failures. Simon Peter preached his greatest message and had his greatest ministry after he denied the Lord. Moses was a murderer, yet God used him for his glory. Salmon sinned against God, yet he slew more Philistines in the end of his life than he did during his entire ministry. Abraham lied, yet he was used of the Lord. And Jacob was a deceiver, yet the Lord transformed and used him greatly. There are many others that could be named among these, but these are sufficient to show that the Lord can take those who have failed in the past and that he can still use them for his glory today and into the future. Your past condition is no obstacle. Do you receive that? Amen. Number two. Your present circumstances are no obstacle. Your present circumstances are no obstacle. Paul was on his way to Damascus to find Christians to arrest and to take them to their deaths. He was filled with hatred and wanted nothing more than to completely destroy anyone or anything connected with the name of Jesus Christ. Yet in spite of all this, the Lord was able to change this man And to use him for the glory of God. And may I remind you that he can do the same thing in your life. And he can do the same thing in my life. He can take us with all the baggage that we carry. And he can use us for his glory. We all bring certain liabilities to the table. 
And even today, some of you could say, but, but pastor, you know, some of us are uneducated and, and, and some of us just don't have the resources that we need. We are weak in our faith. And yet there are some that might even be here today that are arrogant, and filled with pride. However, I would like to remind you that the Lord is able to take us exactly where we are, change what needs to be changed, and then use us greatly. I'm just so grateful for the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost and the Lord. God is with us. You see, because God, the Bible is just filled with God's stories. And the Bible is filled with this kind of story. You see, Moses was 80 years old when the Lord called him into ministry. He had other problems as well. He was not very eloquent. He was filled with fear. He was totally opposed to the Lord's plan for his life. Yet, despite all of his baggage, God was able to use this man for his glory. The demoniac, which is in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, says, was a man, he was feared by everyone. But the Lord was able to take this man who had caused uh, so much trouble, and he was able to use him as a witness for the glory of God. God took him where he was and used him for God's glory. Second King says, tells the stories of the four lepers who became the unlikely saviors of Jerusalem. God took them where they were and used them in spite of their circumstances. So what am, what am I trying to do here this morning? What am I trying to get you to see this morning is that your present circumstances did not catch the Lord by surprise. He knows everything there is to know about you. Hebrews 4.13, he knows where you are, and he still can use your life if it is yielded to him for his glory. The secret lies into putting all this into practice. One, your past condition is no obstacle. Two, your present circumstances are no obstacle. Number three, your personal characteristics are no obstacle. Here was a man. There he was, church. A man who wasn't even eloquent. So if you look through the scriptures, and I could have given you about 15 verses but because of our time today and so much that I need to share, I just want to make sure that, that I don't go through that. But research a little bit about Paul and you'll start to find out that his letters just weren't as great as they should be. However, when I look at the word of God, I think, man, you know, God used him despite all of his inadequacies and, and insecurities. And many of us can say even in this room that, Lord, I know because of some of my characteristics and my insecurities, Lord, I just feel like I can't do enough for you. The Bible says he excels in taking the weak and foolish things of this world and using them in a great way. I love that a, that a, uh, a young boy had to go through speech class. And I've shared that with you before, that God can take a boy who couldn't say his awes and said Twacy, and come heal, and would make sentences like that. I just, let me just read a passage for you today. For God so loved the world. See, but God was able to put in my path a lady by the name of Mrs. Bockley. It's actually Barkley. And she taught me how to say my R's. Because she was a part of the plan that God had for me. Knowing that in my insignificance, in my own insecurities, by my, the way, but God created me. 
But with all that being said, that throughout time, he placed me in front of this lady to give me the ability to be able to speak so that I could stand before you and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us again turn the pages of the Bible to find proof of even God's great truth where he used people. We've already mentioned Moses, but God took this old man who had a speech impediment and used him as the arm of God. Remember last week I said he raised up his staff and God used a man. He didn't have to speak. Even though Aaron and Ur were there with him, they stood as a force to be reckoned with because God is on their side. Glory. Why is some of these stories just get me all like, God used a young Jewish girl, her name was Esther, to save his people from the slaughter. God used a young unknown boy named David to get the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. God used a beggar named Lazarus to preach a daily sermon to a rich man. God used 12 unknown men from various walks of life to set the world on fire for God. Even the Son of God had several strikes against him. Others saw him as being no more than the son of Mary and Joseph. Most thought that there was no way God could use some from Nazareth. Others questioned the fact that he came from Galilee. Some even said that Jesus was nothing more than the tool of Satan. Found in Mark chapter 3 verse 22. Even with these marks against him, who can deny that the Lord used this life more than any other which had even walked upon the face of the earth. (sighs) But we realize who he is. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and he's the creator of all. He's the architect of of the universe and and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, and will always be. He is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, Never undone. He was bruised, but brought healing. He was pierced, but eased pain. He was persecuted, but brought freedom. He was dead and brings life, risen to bring power, and he reigns to bring peace. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. He is powerful, and he is pure. He is my Savior, my guide, and he is my peace. He is my joy, and he is my comfort. He is my Lord. He rules my life. That is the Son of God. You see, he is everything. For everybody, everywhere, every time, in every way, he is God, he is faithful, I am his, and he is mine. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said all this to say, regardless of who you are, where you came from, what problems you have, what personality quirks you exhibit, what your level of education, what your level of acceptance by others, God can and will use you if you make yourself available to him and his work. God has all kinds of people in his service, kinds of preachers and servants he has. All he is looking for are those who are willing to serve him. Are you one of them? And then we look into the fourth point. Your private concerns are no obstacle for him. Your private concerns are no obstacle for him. I've already touched on this, but God was able to use the Apostle Paul in spite of all the physical infirmities that plagues his life. In fact, Paul stated that his weakness guaranteed him greater strength in 2 Corinthians. Like Paul, you may look upon yourself as being weak and unable to do much for the cause of Christ. However, the truth of the matter is that God doesn't need us to be strong and able to stand up on our own two feet. 
He needs us to be weak and to be totally dependent upon him and his power. God isn't looking for spiritual powerhouses. He is looking for people who have nothing more than faith and a desire to cling to the Lord. Here was a man. A man who was persecuting people. And church, I'm just here to tell you that God knows everything about you. He knows every, the Bible says he knows every hair on your head. Poor Ron Unk. <laughs> Anyhow, he knows every hair that's on Ron Unk's chin. That's what he knows. He took a man who had so many flaws, who was a persecutor of the faith. He was a persecutor of the church. And he took this man, and I love what it said, and the Lord started to speak. How many of you would say with me today, I'm afraid of the Lord? Okay, I guess there's only four of us. And uh, today we're going to talk about fear. And uh, just kidding. Many of us are afraid of the Lord. We should be. We should have a holy fear of God. And I remembered as I was looking at this story of Saul, and I thought to myself, how sad is this that a man who persecuted the church had to go through what he went through. But watch this played out. So here was Saul persecuting the church. He was on a road. He falls down. And all of a sudden the Lord starts to speak to him and says, Hey, Saul, I need you. And he says, Who was that voice? Who is that? And all of a sudden, a blindness came over Saul, and he couldn't see. And I wonder why God did that, because let's make this applicable to us today. Many times we're so distracted by this world that we lose our focus to press forward. We lose our focus of breakthrough. We lose our focus for destiny. And all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to not allow you to see my son. And what happened was he stood up and the Bible said he couldn't see. Now watch this. The man couldn't see, so he had to get to where he was going to. And the only way he could get to where he was going to was that God started to speak to him. And he had to start relying on him and trusting him in a time when he couldn't see. God, can you, can you direct me there? I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. And he, he gets to this city. And all of a sudden, there's this man called Ananias who is in his home. The Bible said that he was a learner of the word. So he is in his home and he's thinking, you know, about all the things that need to be done for his Savior. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes to Ananias. And he says, Ananias, get up and go to the persecutor. He said, what did you just say to me? We've been there, haven't we? Get up and go to the one that is murdering and killing people for the cause of... Woo! I was... Lord, you know I'm just a learner. I'm just a learner. That's all I am. He goes, I know, Ananias, and I know your heart. 
Now, it's time for you to get up, and I need you to go do my work. No matter the... Oh, but Lord, you have to know, we have some things to talk through here today. You know, I don't have time. I don't understand the gifts and the power of healing. Lord, what are you talking about? He said, listen, if you are mine and I am yours, and you realize who you are and who I am, you get your bum up and you go do my work. And you know what he did? He got up and he walked to that place where this man Saul was at. And just think about this journey in between point A to point B. Oh, he's going to kill me. Oh, this is nerve wracking. Oh, what are people going to think of me? Now, I think all those guys back there, they saw that I was learning that, that he was, you know, the son of God and Jesus Christ, you know, has a message. And now it's time for me to be part of, you know, the apostles and to teach the word and to present the gospel and to build churches, because that's what Acts is all about. And so Ananias, as he was struggling within himself, saying, what am I going to do? I think he came to a place where he found a little bit of peace. But I think when we live by faith, church, that we put our soul, faith, and trust into God. And the only peace that we can ever have is when we say, God, here am I. Use me. Here am I. I surrender my life to you. So he goes to that great man of God, which was lost, and he says, I'm supposed to come to you and to tell you about Christ, and I'm supposed to heal you. And he said, I believe, and immediately it said the scales dropped from Paul's eyes. What took place right then? Woo! Revival took place. Because when that man named Saul became Paul, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and let me just go ahead and, and turn there real quick, because I, I, I just want to read this to you. And uh, I think it's Acts, Lord just gave me this verse, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 13. Hold on. I hope it, let me, let me turn here with you. Acts chapter 13, I might be, maybe it's 10, 13. Um, Acts 13.9. So in Acts 13.9, are you ready, church? Do people say this about you? Acts chapter 13, verse 9 reads, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Full of the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Which means that there was a transformation that took place. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where is your mind's eye set on? Where are you at, church? God wants to use you. We are not limited to what God wants to do. And do you understand? I started off this message today to say that Paul has done so much work and spoke of the grace of God to the Gentiles. 
that souls started to be saved, lives started to be changed, and a great movement has, has just swept across the world because of his gospel. But God took a sinner. God took a persecutor of the church, and he esteemed him and lifted him up because people said, what in the world is Paul doing? He's preaching the gospel. God wants to do the same very thing in your life. He wants to take you, even though you might feel weak, and he wants to say, I can use you. Hannah wanted a child, and she turned to the Lord in desperation, and God gave her a son who was destined to be a great spiritual leader to the Israelite people. See, there's times when it still comes out, I said, leader. Okay, that was leader. Daniel was a mere teenager and a mere teenage boy when the Lord gave him the strength to stand against the king of Babylon. All because Daniel was totally yielded to the Lord. Mary was just a young teenage girl when God asked her to carry the Messiah in her virgin womb. Ooh, what reproach she lived under. Yet she was strong in the Lord and used her to minister to millions. For when she gave birth, she gave life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you fight depression. Others battle loneliness. Some of you in this room fight against feelings of inferiority. Some keep their wickedness of days gone by constantly before their eyes. Some of you feel so inadequate to do the Lord's work. Whatever name your particular weakness may carry, it can be an obstacle to you if you allow it to be. However, to the Lord, your problem is nothing. He can take you in the midst of your weakness and still use you to confound the strongest of those about you. He can take your life and make it an inspiration. Everyone who comes in contact with you will say, man, that person exhibits Christ. The secret lies in one word. The secret lies in one word. The secret lies in one word. Surrender. 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 He can take your life and make it an inspiration. Everyone who comes in contact with you. Are you totally surrendered to the Lord and to his will for your life? Church, it's been a journey. Wow. It didn't stop when I was a boy. Being called to preach in between my eighth grade year and my freshman year. Peer pressure is just awful. But God knew. That he could use a man who was willing to do whatever he wanted. He took a 127-pound skinny pencil head boy to preach the gospel in a public school system. And he can do the same thing for you. Don't be limited to what God can do in your life. If God be for us, he'll take our ashes and turn them into beauty. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Our God is faithful. You know, when we, when we started the church, we started this church knowing that we were just wanted to preach the gospel. And God opened up the doors for us to go from uh, 4th Street, Leslie Young's house. And then the next week we're at the YMCA. We left the YMCA, went to the Cork Cultural Center, had church at the Cork Cultural Center. Say that seven times fast, see where it gets you. Cork Cultural Center, Cork Cultural Center. See, I can't even do it. And, uh, and then God opened up the door year number one. We were able to be in this building and God started to do some things and he started to move because all we were was a surrendered church. That's all. 
We were just a surrendered church. And so God started to provide. We've seen people come. We've seen people go. We have watched. We have watched God bring people that has some giftings that have been amazing. There are some things that have been done in this building that I could never do. But with God, all things are possible. And when God makes a way where sometimes we feel there is no way, God moves. We just do it. We have to be surrendered. Let God move in us and through us. You see, if you're not a child of God and you want to be a child of God, today's your day of salvation. You come. We'll show you. You need to be saved because you're valuable to him. And so then God, you know, opened up the doors. Here we were. We rounded the corner. I mean, started having church. It's been a wonderful 13 years, almost going on 14 years as we've been in this building. And we've seen the hand of God. I remember praying over a lady and I anointed her with oil. And she said, Pastor, they told me I had a stroke. And I said, you had a stroke? And she said, yes. Could you and Miss Becky please pray over me? So we anointed her with oil over here at Akron City Hospital. The doctor then said, we got to take you down for your MRI. We prayed that God would take, remove that clot, remove that stroke. He came back and he said, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm looking at both of them. One shows that you had a stroke. The other one says you've never had a stroke. That's called God's power and his healing. And when he heals and when he's busy doing something, we just jump on board. And so then God started doing that. We've seen souls saved and lives changed. We've seen people through the baptismal waters. Over 500 have been saved in this building because there was a breakthrough that took place in someone's life. And then all of a sudden, I was at this community, you know, get together. And that week we had been praying. I brought up to the officers. I said, officers, we need a steeple on the church. How can you have a steeple with all the, how can you have no steeple with all the people? You get my phrase. Okay, so God, I was there and I said, hey, I like your shingles on your building. You like how fast I'm talking? I'm fast forwarding this whole thing for you. And he, and the man said, yeah, the weirdest thing is I got those shingles, but I was down at Habitat for, for, for humanity. Thank you for the community, whatever I was going with. And he said, hey, if you, you know, if you want these shingles, then you have to get the steeple. He said, steeple, what are you talking about? And he said, I looked at that man, the manager, and said, you mean you're talking that if I buy these shingles, I have to take the steeple. Now, all of a sudden, I'm standing there just, you know, because I'm not expressive at all. I mean, I, I did one of these numbers. And that eyebrow went up. Those wrinkles started to show. And I said, hold on just one minute. Sir, would you like a jello shot? No, I don't want a jello shot. I don't do that kind of stuff at these parties. We're talking something serious here. This is a party in the community, but this guy has a message from the Lord. What did you just say? He said, I have a steeple. My wife and I don't even know what to do with it. I said, I know what to do with it. He said, what is that? And he said, that's right, Pastor Todd. You're, you don't have a steeple? I said, we don't have a steeple. We have all the people, but we don't have the steeple. <laughs> I just throw that in there again. And uh, so all of a sudden, God then took and said, use this man who's never walked through the doors of this church. I don't even know if he's ever drove by to see the steeple on the church with all the people. Isn't that how it goes? So anyhow, so, then, so God provided the steeple for free. Then they gave us paperwork and it was $20,000. I said, praise the Lord, because we don't have $20,000 for no steeple. But God provided it for free. Then all of a sudden, we need it. Exactly, Annie, you're right on the money. And uh, so then God provided the, the building for us. And we've just seen, you know, within a couple months, 
God started to move because people were surrendered. We had a Christmas tree. We transformed this whole sanctuary in the matter of two months. Who does that? You do. Because if God before us, who shall be? So God was with us, and he's been for us. And so all of a sudden, you know, we get this done, and God is just really blessing. And we're like, you know, the outside of this building, if we're going to be a lighthouse to the community, we need to make sure that we are continually doing things so that people can come in and be a part of our ministry. And so this past year, we were able to put siding on the building. And all of a sudden, at ABC Supply, they had siding the same color that I told Matt Black. Matt Black, who works at ABC, went and talked to the manager. And it was so weird, he called me back and he goes, this is, this is bizarre. But on the shelf was some siding. And our manager said, you can have it all for free to side your church. Is that just coincidental, church? No, that's not coincidental. And so I went there. Ryan and I were there. Michael got on the tow motor, and he was just going like a crazy man. We had a great time loading that dirty, nasty stuff up, right? But it sure looks beautiful and clean on this church. I praise the Lord for stuff hanging around on a shelf somewhere for our church body and for this church. So here we are, church. December, the end of December, we were driving down a road. Down this road, there was a house and a church for sale. And on this road, there was also a camper. So Ron Sr. saw and he called me and he's like, Pastor, there's a, there's a church that's for sale. And I said, there is. And he said, yes. Well, it's empty, I think. It's not for sale. It, it was just empty. The pastor moved out of the parsonage. The church building was empty. He said, but there's a camper. I said, I'll be right over. We went there. We looked on the camper. I called the pastor, gave him my information. And so it starts to move forward. And here we are in 2019. And you're going, what are you saying, preacher? So I had a meeting with our board. And I want all of you to know what God is doing in the midst of this church. Because God can only do this. This is stuff that you can't make up. It's the way God works. The man said to me, picked up the phone and I said, Hi, my name is Pastor Todd and, and I just have a question for you. Were you the pastor of the church? And he said, yes, I was the pastor of that church that just closed. And I could tell in his voice that there was just this sense of, of almost grief as they had to close their doors. And so I, I just proceeded to say, well, are you the one who makes the... He said, no, I'm not. The Evangelical Congregational Association owns this building. They own my home and the building. I've actually moved back to Pennsylvania. We'll be coming back to get the camper if it doesn't sell. And I said, well, can you do me a favor? Can you pass my name and number along to the Evangelical Congregational Association? And he's like, certainly. Well, a month went by, and, and one Sunday evening, Ron and I were uh, coming back. He went and actually helped me clean an account in stone. We were coming back, and we went by there, and he said, Preacher, have you called him? And I looked right at him, and I, this is what I said to him. I'm not calling that man again. Is that the truth? I said, if God wants to see this church go and grow, I need God to be the one to do it, not me. Well, 
the next morning, I get this, I saw it. I got the voicemail. Mom and I were running around getting some things done, you know, uh, for her and, and changing some things out after my stepfather had passed away. And I didn't listen to it till that evening, Monday night. And it said something like this. Hello, this is Kevin Henry of the Evangelical Congregational Association. I'm the chief executive officer. I've heard that you've shown some interest on the property at 206 and 226 Southeast Avenue. And if you would, please go ahead and give me uh, a call back. We would, we would welcome your ideas. And we would like to, to think just a little bit about uh, what, what you're looking at. So I ended up calling him up on the phone. And one day a favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. You can labor your whole lifetime and it not put you where one day a favor can place you. And so my favor, my prayer was that I would have favor with this chief executive officer. And so after I started talking to him and I started telling the story of our church and where we've been, what we've gone through and some of the obstacles that we have had to face, that we are landlocked, that there's that we can't build a gym. We have no grounds. I mean, there's just a parking lot. There's just a church. And uh, he proceeded to say to me, well, have you seen the building? I said, no, sir, I have not seen the inside of that building. And he said, well, why is it that you want it? I said, because I just drove by it, I feel great peace about it. And I said, you know, I just feel that I could see New Hope Christian Fellowship in a building with 10 acres. 10 acres. And I said, who wouldn't want to be in a building where you can build a gymnasium, where you can build a pavilion, even put a baseball field on it? You know, isn't that awesome? Be able to do some of the things that that we've always wanted to do and, and to think, wait a minute. But one guy said, listen, if you move into Riverside Drive, I'm not going to go with you. Well, Lord, have mercy. I surely didn't want to stay on Leslie's deck because if we were still on Leslie's deck, we'd have been pushed off the deck because she sold that house. And (laughs) she's gone. And here's how the story goes. So he said to me, Pastor Todd, what I would like you to do is I'd like you to come up with a letter. And I said, okay. And all of a sudden... These feelings, this flashback came to me. And that's exactly what they told us here. Give me a letter. And so I sent them a letter. And in that letter, I proceeded to tell them, and I have that letter with me, but I won't be reading it to to you for sake of time because there's just so much to be said. So I wrote him a letter. I did a cover letter. But in between all this... I got the approval of our board members, of our deacon, our trustees, our treasurer. And we all sat down. We talked about it. I presented my proposal to our our board of New Hope. And they looked at it. They all signed it saying that we accept this offer that you would like to offer to them. Now, first of all, what many of you do not know, do you know we don't have a bunch of money? By the way, just to let all of you members know... We, are, we have uh, $5,000 in the savings. Don't you love our trade? Roughly. So anyhow, we're not a wealthy church, but we're wealthy in faith. We're wealthy in the Lord. If you're a surrendered people, God will move you. Well, I went ahead and I sent that letter out to them. And so I waited and I waited and I waited and, and we gave them the letter of intent and we made an offer on the building. And, and because you're valuable to me, church, because you're valued to me as a congregation, I just want you to know that I, I want 
you to be a part of this move. I wouldn't be, and we wouldn't be where we're at today if it wasn't for you. Because of your faithfulness and just your commitment to Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. I'm preaching the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden, three dark-skinned gentlemen from Bhutan and Nepal walk in this building. And I was standing right over here preaching the gospel. And in the middle of my message, the Lord said, let those people have this church to preach in. Let those people have this church to teach in. I'm like, okay. And so after the service, they waited. And I was down there shaking hands. And they walked up and they said, can we please speak to you? And I said, oh, it's okay. You got it. They said, what did you say? I said to D.B. Perna, which is Pastor Dahl, Sanjay, Binod, Ganga, and Ganesh. They were all there. I said, gentlemen, you can worship here. We did not ask you yet. I said, I know the Lord already told me. They all looked at each other. Oh, we love you. Jamesy. It was wonderful. That's what they were going to ask me. Was that coincidental? No, that was God. So on Thursday, I told my wife, I said, I went downstairs and I came up to the top of the steps and I had submitted our letter of intent. And I said, honey, something's wrong with me. I'm shaking like this. And she goes, well, what's wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. She goes, do you need to eat? I said, no, I'm good. What's bothering you? Is something bothering you? Do you feel like you're under attack? What is happening with you? And I said, all I got to tell you is that I just feel this overwhelming sense that I need to call Kevin right now. And I did just that. So I went and grabbed my phone and I called Kevin and I said, yes, uh, Pat, is Kevin in? Oh, I'm sorry. He just went into a meeting. And I said, well, what is this meeting? And, uh, and when will it be over? She said, well, she didn't tell me. She just said it'll be over in two hours. I went, Lord Jesus, I need to be praying in my prayer closet or somewhere because my wife says, get in your closet. <laughs> See, now you guys know. It's a, you know, I said, I'm going into the shower. I need you to put on Waymaker. I need you to put on some music. I've got to worship. And I, I show, I went in that closet. Nobody was in there. I'm in there praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. And I, peace started c- coming over me. And all of a sudden, on Friday, I called Kevin. And at the same time the next day, because I let it go, he said, Pastor Todd. How are you? He's really, you know, uh, enthusiastic and charismatic and uh, just in his personality. I, I wouldn't know what that's like. But um, anyhow, so as, as he said, how are you? We proceeded to say, I said, well, I was just calling because I wanted to find out what you decided with the church. I knew you had a board meeting. He goes, oh, that was why I was calling you. I'm so glad you called. That's all right. You got it. I said, what? He said, yeah, you've got it. He said, but I need you to do something. And I said, well, what is that? He said, you know that offer you gave me. Could you lower it some? I said, what did you say? He said, you know that offer of $150,000 for a $1 million property. I need you to lower it. I said, um, okay, well, first of all, as I'm like, ooh, I think the room's starting to spin. I'm serious. I was standing at the sink, and I'm like, did he just, I said, did you just tell me to lower? He goes, yeah, I told you to lower it. I said, okay, well, first of all, we're buying a house, buying a church, and I offered you $150,000, 
And I said, we're asking for a land contract for three years, doing it at 4.75% interest. And uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And um, I'm like, okay. And he's like, and, and I, I get it. And I said, yeah, but our payment was only $939 a month. That's for the parsonage and the church building. Yeah, I know, uh-huh. Then it hit me. Will you take $5.55? I didn't say that. I said, how is $125,000? He said, that is perfect. You get on your computer, you send that over to me, and I will send you a letter immediately. Hallelujah. So we got on the computer, and here's this letter. The National Conference of the Evangelical Congregational Church accepts your offer. As of February 15, 2019, in principle, to lease and possibly purchase the former community at New Direction Church and Parsonage at 226 Southeast Avenue and 206 Southeast Avenue, Talmadge, Ohio. He then proceeded to say some of this other jargon I won't read to you and all that. Thank you for your generous offer. When an EC church closes, our first goal is to have ministry continue at that location. And we are convinced that New Hope Christian Fellowship Ministries will be a bright light of God's love and salvation for the Talmadge community. It has been wonderful, and we are sure it will continue to speak with Reverend Tackett and hear the stories of how New Hope Christian Fellowship hears God speaking and follows him to do a great work for the kingdom. We look forward to working with you through the stages of this lease-to-purchase process. I do not foresee any issues with an approval as of, of your offer on March 15th, which will be a National Conference Executive Committee of the Evangelical Congregational Church. (sighs) I'm glad our our, our name isn't that long. You know what I'm saying? The high-flying tambourines of the first Whirlpool Maytag Church of the, you know. Anyhow, so he said he does not see that March 15th. It will go to them. It is signed here by Bruce Hill Bishop and Kevin Henry, Executive Director. And so I went back to 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 the drawing board which was my laptop, and uh, I offered them the $125,000. Church, listen to me. When you look at this building today, and you're all invited, because I have keys, and he said, you can keep the keys. He said, I want you to go look at this, and I'm happy to announce prayerfully, Anything can happen. If this is where God wants us to stay, that's fine. We'll stay here for another 25 years, 100 years. I just want to be where God is at. This church is all one level. It's a ranch, so now it's all handicap accessible. People get can pull in. They go right into the foyer area. Everything's one level. And one of the things that has been a source of contention for, for me and somewhat frustrating uh, circumstances is the steps. Because some of the funerals we've done and fed people, they can't get their loved ones down. And we've had to carry them down, you know, a quadriplegic in one of those very heavy, I mean, it was almost 700 pounds for us to get him down the steps. And so I thought, wow, what a great place for opportunity to be able to preach the gospel. And I want all of you to know that as I gave him the letter of intent, I gave a letter telling him our story, what God has done. And I'm excited to say that We don't know what's going to happen with this building. Uh, I have made uh, contact with Perna, as he's the treasurer of the New Hope Nepali Church, about purchase or do a land contract with them, lease to buy, so that I I would love this to be a New Hope Nepali community church. Um, Yes, we we did the the numbers. 
I think we're seven miles from here, not far. Go down Thomas, go around the circle. It's right there on southeast, right past Bierce on the right side. And, uh, but listen, church, we have 10 acres to mow. And so I have this sign-up sheet. We're going to start here, and it's going to go around this way. And, uh, but anyhow, so with the board, uh, it's, it's exciting for us because all I know, I don't even know what this looks like, but I do know this. Our vision is to build a gymnasium there. Well, I mean, within a year, we want to build a gymnasium so that people can do ministry. We can do ministry on the property. Uh, and, and as I was talking to Michelle, she was one of the officers of um, New Direction. She had the key. And, and this is just amazing to me. It gave me goosebumps yesterday. She said, yeah, we want the reason why the church is built this way is because we wanted to put a gymnasium here. And, you know, we wanted to put a baseball field over here. And we were even thinking about a daycare. Pat, we talked about that here. We can't do it because it's a basement. And there's just so many things that we could do from building. And she said, we wanted to put a pavilion over here. Same spot I wanted to put a pavilion. And so we get to the church yesterday. And as we're just walking around and just kind of in awe, uh, I, we found the blueprints. What's on those blueprints? The very thing that we've been talking about. So God planted a seed within them. He's used us to get this far so that God can then use us to do a great work because a lot of us do travel far distances, hence our treasurer and his wife, Stephen Cass. And uh, I told, they said, Pastor, it's okay. When we left here last week, it's 12 minutes more, 15 minutes, 7 minutes. Yeah, that's nothing. Jess and Butch, it won't be far from your house now. Right up 532. And uh, you can be here early. And so I just want all of you to know. <laughs> I just want all of you to know that it has been an exciting week. And now I'm going to put this on a, on a serious note. And today we're inviting all of you to go to Southeast Avenue. We'll give you the, the address. We're going to unlock it. I've asked that Pastor Luke and the board, we've all voted. We would like to have Pastor Luke and Allie live in the parsonage. And... Uh, for all that they do, we'd love to have them move from Canton, Ohio to here. And, uh, you know, we don't know what the legalities are as far as this building and what. But you know what? God already does. He already he planned this. And, you know, I just got to tell you, you know that song that says, I stand, I stand in awe of him. That's how I feel. This week was an attack by Satan. And I want you to know that in the midst of her trials and tribulations, that you did not lose sight. You joined together as an army, force, team, hashtag Team Jesus, a force to be reckoned with, and you went to the Lord in prayer. And that's what it's about. And we have seen, church, listen to me closely, and I, I want everybody to hear this. Up to last night, we've seen revival start to take place. I'm serious. God is on the move. God knew this way before I did. And if God will just use our church, and it was so bizarre because, you know, to look at the amortization, to give them $900 a month, and to know that in three years for a lease land contract, and in the very beginning, you'll love this, Leslie, he even said, we don't want to do a land contract or lease with option to buy. We, that's what they told us here, too. And we were able to do a land contract. And so, you know, I know that for them, they're probably thinking, okay, here we go. But church... You stand arm in arm and you let the demons in hell know that you're serious about 
who Christ is and that you are a soldier in the army of God and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and that with him we can see more souls saved and lives changed and we can run around. uh, Praise the Lord. We can run around 10 acres. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We can run around a church property and say, we love this place. But it takes all of us to do what we need to. And I will say, a couple classrooms, it's square footage is less right now. Oh, but when we are done, it will be awesome. And God will be able to fulfill what he planted within us 13 and a half years ago. And church... I just want to say thank you and to our board of deacons and trustees. Thank you. Thank you for your, your encouragement, for prayer. And when I start to lose sight, God covers my eyes and he puts me in a place where the only one I can see is him. And so in the midst of my adversity, I see God doing a great work. And church, We didn't look at this building because we've outgrown this building. We looked at this building to do further outreach and to further extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all. And I'm going to leave you with this thought and we're going to go right into the altar call. But you know what's encouraging for me? We stayed there last week. We got pizza and chicken. And I had the board come and we walked around and we sat in their fellowship hall. We looked at poinsettias and Christmas trees and bulbs and felt a sense of Christmas because they left and just left it all up. But I loved what some of them said. Do we have to leave, Pastor? We can leave the church just like it is. And it needs work. But we are, we are at peace. That was my song. The Waymaker. And I want to sing that. I had another song planned for today. See how God was. See? That's what happens when we're one. Glory! That's what I'm talking about. Listen, I know, I know, I know, I know this. If there is a time that you have a loved one that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you bring them. Because we're hoping that at April 25th, if everything goes the way of the Lord, Easter will be our grand opening. You bring them, and we're going to preach the word that day, and we're going to see people changed. Because... He is our promise keeper, and he said, if we will diligently seek him, he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. God is good, and all the time, let's all stand and pray together. Father God, we love you, and we thank you that, Lord, you use us despite of our inadequacies, inferiorities, Lord, our flaws. Lord, you use us, so help to grow us. And today, Lord, let us just rejoice in what you're going to do. God, we realize who gets a million-dollar property for $125,000? Only you, God, who holds the keys to everything. Thank you that you, Father God, have many rooms. For you said you have mansions in heaven. And, Lord, you said if we put our faith and trust in you that you will bless us. And so, God, we are humbled by your love. And, Lord, we will continue to keep doing what we need to do to listen to your voice 
and to know that your grace is all sufficient for each and every one of us. So, Father, we rejoice in your goodness. We rejoice, Lord, that, that you've put us in a place where faith, faith gets increased. Help us to be like Paul, to never look back, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Lord, we accept it and we surrender. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Let 